We're about to talk to John Cowan from The Parenting Place. But look, we know. We've been there. We've done that. We're in that. Uh, raising children these days. And when I say children, I mean, uh, you know, it seems that adults are rather parents are having their children on their hands for a lot longer. It's, it is a grueling, very rewarding, but grueling, at times heartbreaking, at times overwhelmingly joyful being a parent. It's the biggest job you'll ever have in your life. It's much more important than what we're doing here because oh. in the end you're putting children out into the world to fend for themselves and that's, I don't believe there's anything that's more serious and as you say also rewarding but also very, very serious and at times very tough job. Absolutely. So if you are in the thick of it and you'd like some advice, uh, there's no better place than the parenting place to go for that kind of advice. I've had a long association with these guys going back to when Ian Grant founded it and John Cowan is of course there in PO Today and many other presenters and they are just simply terrific at offering very practical, pragmatic advice on raising uh, young people and what's involved in that. And when you're desperate, we all need a bit of help on the line. If you'd like it, by the way, if you'd like to text a question to us, you can text 9292. If you're in it now and you think, I just don't know what to do with my boy or my girl or whatever, then text us. Text us the question or you can phone us 0800 801080. Talk to Tyler and we'll put you on the phone with us and you can chat with John Cowan. Uh, he joins us live on the line right now from The Parenting Place. John Cowan, good afternoon. Hello, John. Jeez. Thank you for that glowing introduction. I didn't know I was so wonderful. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. take it. I'll take it. Good man. <laughs> well, John, it's really great to talk to you. I've known you for years, and I just wonder if we can ask right from the get-go. We were talking about this app. This It's called Deep Nude, this app. It's like a, yeah. a naked selfie thing. You would have heard about it. Can you get? Can you ban that sort of stuff from your young people? Well, you, can, you can certainly set some limits and boundaries about what your kids are allowed to do, whether or not they do it or not depends a lot on the relationship you have with your kids and the and the the, the vexing thing is the stricter and harsher you, you are around these things the more likely they are to have a secret phone that you don't know about mm. and that makes it really really hard and so the best tool you've got for controlling the technology on a kid's phone isn't technology itself it's the relationship you have with them and uh, so keeping things close and friendly, you're far more likely to be able to know what your kids are up to online and with their, ga with their gadgets. John, you would have noticed you've been with The Parenting Place for a number of years. You've travelled up and down the country speaking in seminars. You must have spoken to countless thousands of people, thousands of parents, and you would have heard some heartbreaking stories. Um, anxiety and depression, mental illness, seems to affect all manner of people. And we're talking yeah. about it more, which is brilliant. We're talking about it much more than ever before, which is brilliant. So just to demystify it. But yeah. what would you do? What piece of advice would you give to a parent that has a depressed child? They can't get out of bed. They don't want to do anything. Well, first of all, is just recognize what you're dealing with. Because too often parents get that uh, uh, they don't know what they're dealing with. They'll see their son just sitting there making a dent on the sofa, watching TV all day, and they stand at the door and they bellow at your age, I was working two jobs and blah, blah, mm, blah. Yeah. And, and so just recognize that teenage depression may not look like adult depression. One of, the, one of the characteristics of teenage depression is that they get so sensitive and angry and touchy, and you can't say anything without getting your head bit off. Mm. And uh, you might just think it's an obnoxious personality, but no, it actually could be depression. Another thing could be recklessness. You know, when your boy is driving like he doesn't care whether he lives or dies, maybe he doesn't care whether he lives or dies. Mm. And another thing is it can turn into aches and pains and they can, uh, um, you know, have sicknesses and things. And if there is a good part of that, it's that it can get you to the doctor and a doctor worth his 
you know, worth of salt will possibly consider the idea that maybe this is depression behind that. Mm. So knowing what you're dealing with and then a lot of empathy and sympathy and realize that um, um, that most most adolescent depression does get better, but some of it can be tragically bad. So you don't muck around with it. Your doctor's always a good place to start. John, with the experience of time that you you have had, is it your feeling that unfortunately the pressures on kids, especially teenagers, are actually growing virtually year by year? I, I would think you're right. And at tertiary level, it gets really acute these days because as well as all the academic pressure, they've got the uh, financial pressure as well. And uh, uh, it just seems to be ramping up more and more. And that late teenage, early adulthood time is a time when you have a perfect storm of they're often away from their parents' support. There's drugs and alcohol often sometimes in the mix. The romance and sex is there. And on top of that, uh, there's incredible pressure that seems to come on kids at university. So, yeah, it's a tough time for, the, for, our, um, uh, for them, especially at university. John, is there any way that... You see, we're getting texts in now, and this is what I'm concerned about. It's a really tricky line to walk as a parent to discern the difference between what's just sort of rebellion and laziness, and what's legitimately anxiety and depression, where I've had personal experience with this with people I know, where they simply cannot get out of bed. So how does a parent discern whether it's just kind of a laziness versus the other? I think it's probably default to the side of sympathy. And if you're empathetic and sympathetic without being an enabler, if you're actually... um, if you get in there and, and it's sort of abusive and tell them off, it's not going to help either situation, really. But if you'll start with the sympathetic thing, are you feeling okay and everything like this, then maybe it will, you'll discover that it is just a little bit of lack of motivation. And, um, uh, you know, what is laziness anyway? Often it's pr- the procrastination is perhaps an anxiety. Uh, and so you being on side with them and friendly is usually going to work a lot better than standing behind them beating along with a, with a stick. And even though you think, oh, this boy needs a rocket, he needs a, um, uh, you know, that if rockets worked, that'd be great, but it doesn't. Mm. And so getting alongside them and being sympathetic and um, offering to take them along to your, to your workplace and getting them a part-time job there and things like that can work so much better. Interesting you say that. Them. That's very interesting, John. I'm, go- I'm just going to read, even though it's confronting, I'll just read the text as it's come in because it's indicative of what a lot of people I've heard say, and I disagree entirely with the text, and I say that with respect. But it just says this, why are kids such poofs these days? They're all soft. Yeah. Do you think that young people today lack resilience? Then, you know, do they lack some gumption? Well, well, they could, but there are lots of YouTube videos saying, "Oh, we've got we've got a generation of snowflakes who are so offended and they're too lazy and that they just stuck on their, uh, you know, and they uh, they want everything done for them." Mm. Well, yes, I think that. Um, uh, that's how it appears, and often that uh, is a result of parents not giving kids resilience. A huge part of, of giving kids resilience is exposing them to more and more um, actual work. I think one of the brilliant ways of giving your kids psychological resilience is getting them to do chores mm. right yep. from a young age. Yeah. And and uh, so, yes, there are kids that don't have uh, resilience, but once, once they're in that distressed state of... Uh, um, then being angry, possibly for your own failings and not giving them enough resilience earlier on, is not going to help. Mm. It might make you angry, but it's not going to help. And that's the main thing you need to go to, is go to a solution, not just your angry reaction. 
Very much so. Now, John, one of the things when I look back on my childhood, back in the 1960s, I had, in hindsight, I had extraordinary freedom. Do you think yeah. that building that resilience is part of that also, allowing your kids, slipping the leash on your kids and letting them perhaps go and do things um, without you making sure that you know every single thing that's going on in their, on in their life? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good if, they, if you can raise your kids to actually handle that liberty. You know, there are some, you know, eight-year-olds that are more mature than I am, and they should be allowed out to do things and explore and have adventures, and it's good for them. Uh, if you have a kid who's into a bit of mischief and impulse control, then no, you need to actually just keep the leash a little tighter until they can show that maturity that they need to be safe out there. So it goes... It's an individual kid. You are probably remarkably mature. Well. <laughs> oh, no, no, but look, one more thing. About, one moment, no, I wouldn't say that for one second, John. One more thing just quickly is, do you think that the world is as dangerous a place for kids as it sometimes purports to be? Because I wonder whether we over-exaggerate, especially in the media, how dangerous the world is for children. I honestly don't believe it is. Kids were four times more likely to die when I was when, back in our day. Mm. Okay, wow. when you actually talk about physical risks. And so it's a much safer world. Parents are more cautious and careful, and that pays off in, in some respects, but sometimes it does rob our kids of a bit of uh, adventure and, um, and resilience. Okay, so, John. No, I, I, I think the, some of the dangers are a bit overstated. You're brilliant. Do you mind staying with us for one more break, John? I know you're a busy man, but we'd love to talk some more and mention some of these texts and get your thoughts on them. I'm enjoying it. I'll be happy to. Brilliant. Thanks, Thank you, mate. mate. John Cowan from The Parenting Place. We'll be back with more in a couple of moments. If you want to text us 9292 a question, you're welcome to phone 0800 801080. It's 18 to 4. 16 to 4 with Cyan Phil. It's a great pleasure to have on the show with us John Cowan, who's from The Parenting Place. And, man, this guy's really done it when it comes to sort of speaking at seminars and conferences about raising children. He's been there and he has done that. He's with us. Hi again, John. G'day. I'll, race, I'll race through as many of these texts as we can because um, the, there's some really good things coming in. Uh, just very quickly, John says this text, uh, what do you think is the biggest cause of mental health in young adults and kids these days? What's the problem? I, I think that uh, there's, there's a genetic thing, but there's also um, stress. Whether or not it's actually worse than it was perhaps in the 70s, it's certainly being identified more. And uh, so maybe that's giving the illusion of there being a lot more mental health problems. But uh, uh, it's stress and not having the resources to be able to fall back on as regards, um, you know, if you've got good contact with your family, if you've got uh, good tie-in to your community, you know, groups through groups and sports and everything like this, when you feel like you've got backups and plan Bs, you're much more likely to uh, to ride through stress and stuff in your adolescent years. Hi guys, and John says this texter, we have a 15-year-old son who used to be really chatty, but these days he doesn't really talk to us at all anymore. It's become exceptionally difficult to make a conversation with him. Any advice from John as to how to make him open up to us about anything, anything at all at this stage would be much appreciated. Thank you, says Jess. Yeah, that's not uncommon. Um, a lot of teenagers seem to forget how to talk. But the thing is, you know how to talk. And so rather than turn it into a Gestapo-style interrogation, just Twitter on about your own life and the things that you're doing. And um, you see, they used to know how to talk to you when they were a little person and you were a big person, but now they feel like a big person and they don't know how to talk to other big people on a one-to-one -one basis. It'll pass. Just the worst thing you can do is get offended and uh, do a sooky duet with them. Just keep on twittering away about your own world and being friendly and recognising the fact that they're just having a little bit of communication problem. It doesn't mean they love you less. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily going through anything terrible in their life. It's just that they, they, just, they just forgot where they put their tongue. 
Mm. And uh, so unless there's other signs that there's something seriously wrong, I would just keep on including them, conversing with them, and uh, not expecting a hang of a lot back. Okay. John, one of the things I was just wondering while, while you've been talking, I've, I've really, really found it fascinating, and thank you. But what about activities as far as helping kids to be more outgoing and so on and so forth, whether it's anything from music to ballet to sport? I, it doesn't really worry me, I must say, but trying to get kids involved in activities, is, is that something I've always thought of it as being something that is helpful and positive. Is that your yes. view as well? Absolutely. Generally, busy kids do better. Busy, the uh, busy kids do better. They can get too busy, and especially with some uh, in some places where they're going off to, um, you know, pre- preschool swimming sports, and then after school they've got extra French and, and yeah. extra stuff. You know, they can get too busy. But in general, a busy kid does better, and uh, it provides extra friendships, extra good role models. And so sign them up for drama clubs and youth groups and everything you can. Uh, you know, just check out. It's not too dumb. I mean, uh, it could have been that Morris dancing was cool when we were kids. But it's not cool anymore. <laughs> so, uh, we just need to check it out where it's okay. But in general, busier the better. There's a lot of parents, John, uh, that are under enormous guilt because they work and they don't have the time to invest in their children. And they, and they might be talking, in, as in my own family's case on occasion, single parents. And I, I've just seen my sister as a single mum. It is blooming hard, mm. hard work. You know, yeah. you, you work yeah. all day, you come home, you've got to take care of your child, cook dinner, do the homework, get them organised. When they have a meltdown, you've got to be there. You get them to bed. It, it's just a horror show, and it is hard, hard work. Have you got any advice for a guilty parent that just thinks, man, I've stuffed this whole parenting thing up? Well, i just say, first of all, that parents uh, parenting on their own can and do raise awesome kids. Uh, you, you know, you, you can do it. But um, you'd be the first to admit that it's tougher covering those extra bases mm. on, on your own. And so, yes, it is just going to be hard, but just realise that you can do it. The thing is to make the most of the time that you do have to actually, um, when you're with your kids, to actually converse with them. And, yeah, a guilty, useless sentiment, unless it actually turns into something to, you know, promotes some positive action. It just drains your energy even further. Yeah. And so just make sure those times that you do have are uh, as, as good as you can have. And then schedule them in. If, if kid can see on the, on, the, uh, on the calendar that there's a mum date coming up or a dad date coming up where you're going to be spending some time with them. And uh, actually a big whiteboard so that kids know what you're doing and where you are, that can help immensely too. Yeah. So just if, if they understand your bit of your world and a bit of the pressure you're under, but can also see that you're not forgetting them, you'll be fine. You'll yeah. get through. Interesting. I read a book years ago, and I remember one of the lines from the book said, "Don't strive to be the perfect parent; strive to be the priority parent." And that man, just that line, took so much pressure off me because I was like, "Man, I've got to do this better. I've got to be a better dad. I've got to be the best dad." And then yeah. I thought, you know, it just said basically, set your priorities as a family. What are they for you and your mm. kids? What's your yeah. priorities and focus on those. Don't worry about being perfect because you'll always fail. And it just took so much heat off me, John. Yeah, it would be so easy to do um, the work that I'm doing if I capitalised on parents' guilt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, just, I just reckon that modern parents are great. Yeah. Uh, actually, um, a modern mum spends twice as much time in active contact with her kids now than they did a few years ago. Dads, three times as much. A working mother now spends more time in actual contact with her kids than a stay-at-home mum did back in my generation. I mean, I had a stay-at-home mum, but she wasn't, you know, in active 
conversation with me all the time. She was bottling and, do, and, yeah. and doing the stuff that stay-at-home mums did back in the 60s. Mm. And so modern parents are generally awesome. They're trying harder. They're skilling themselves up. And so, you know, take some of that guilt off yourself. You don't need it. John Cowan is with us. John, I said it was going to be the last little break. Have you got another three minutes? I'll go to some messages and then finish with a couple of me, a couple more texts for you. Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah sure. Thanks, John. Thanks, mate. It's all for free, too, I might add. Good on, John. Yeah. Uh, eight minutes away from four with John Cowan. If you've got a text about parenting, if you're struggling with something at the moment, text us. This is ZB. It's six to four. We've got a couple minutes left only with John Cowan from The Parenting Place. Thanks again, John, for your time. There's a text here talking about the dinner table. I'm interested in this. Mm. And because I read a story, John, and the text refers to this, that in England now the dinner table is a thing of the past. How important is a dinner table in the family home, John? I, I reckon the dinner table is probably your best parenting tool. Uh, lots of research has been done around this, that families that eat a couple of times a week around a table, uh, their kids do better at school, they're less likely to get in trouble, they're usually better relationships. It's uh, And it's not the fact that you're giving them super food or anything like this, but it's just the idea that you're actually making face-to-face contact with them and staying in touch with their world. I wouldn't make it a priority. If you can, if you can fit it into your life in any time, in any way, go for those meal times. And maybe it might be breakfast. Maybe that'll work better for you. But just eating around a table seems to have... Uh, I don't believe in magic wands in parenting, but that's as close to a magic wand as you can get. Good stuff. And last question from you. What is your best parenting advice to all the parents living out there at the moment? What's your best piece of parenting advice? Oh, firm, fair and friendly is the motto. I reckon that uh, makes a... You could probably get that tattooed somewhere. I even think it would make a good <laughs> T-shirt, though my wife says she wouldn't wear it. Firm, fair and friendly. Yep. Firm because you know best... Friend, uh, fair in that you're prepared to listen and change your mind and friendly you're going to be the cuddliest, warmest, most affectionate parent. You get that mixed in you can't go too far wrong. John Cowan thank you so much mate, great to chat. Good stuff buddy, take care. Cheers.